Welcome to the Inventory Professional Podcast, brought to you by Inventory Base, providers of industry-leading property inspection software, accredited training, and on-demand property reports. Join us as we discuss the latest news, legislation, and all things property, hosted by our very own inventory expert, Sean Hemming Metcalf. With regular special guests, listen in to our open and honest discussions about the role of the inventory professional and how to navigate through this ever-changing, fast-paced industry. Well, right, so we are now live. Right, hi everyone. We're uh, just gone live a couple of minutes before our one o'clock event. Uh, we are just going to wait for the numbers to build up a little bit and then we will get talking. Um, just to say, obviously, we're here to answer any questions or queries you might have. So please feel free to post questions as comments, whether you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook. Um, doesn't matter. Uh, just post your comment on there. We can see them all um, on the dashboard that we're looking at. Um, and obviously, we can share any um, any of those comments on screen and those comments and questions and, and can try and address those for you. Um, so do please send in any questions you might have. Um, but otherwise, yeah, um, we're going to, Sean and I are going to be talking a little bit around inventories. We'll start off with the more technical element about what an inventory exactly is, what makes a good inventory, why it's wise to use an independent inventory clerk rather than to generate a document yourself. Um, key pieces that must be covered in there um and uh yeah we'll cover those bits and pieces and then we'll talk around some sort of things that we've learned from the from the experiences we've had involving inventories over the years um and yeah then we'll go from there so uh, see the numbers build up a little bit which is nice we're just going to give it probably another minute or two and then we will get going cool sounds good to me yeah. Does everyone everyone have a nice weather this morning? I was slightly you know it's lovely, yeah. I know it looked, it didn't look that nice. And then sort of got all jeans and everything on and went outside and was like, no, 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 this is, this is far too warm for me. For my, to be fair, my, here in Bournemouth, yeah, Bournemouth is absolutely stunning. In fact, I just realized just before we went on the call that I had all my washing out for everybody to see in the background. So I quickly rushed out to get it back in again before anyone saw, but it's all dry, you know, half an hour, all done. Done, done, good, okay, cool. Well, look, we're, we're sort of a minute in, so uh, we'll get going. Hopefully people will jump in and do some comments as we go along. Um, so hi everyone, welcome to the latest um, piece by Agents Here to Help, uh, where we're looking to really sort of inform and educate um, landlords and tenants in particular on this one um, about the importance of inventories when renting a property. I'm joined today by Sean, who uh, from Inventory Base, um, who also is a very experienced inventory clerk. Um, and so, yeah, so Sean is going to be sharing with us some gems of her, her knowledge, a little bit of backstory um, about how she got into being an inventory clerk. And yeah, we'll go through things. Like I said, hi Charlotte, thanks for joining us. Um, do guys, do please comment to say hi, do please post your questions, we are watching them, we'll share them if they are relevant. So Sean, thanks for joining me today. Lovely, thanks, um, I'm really grateful for being here and thank you for inviting me. 
Yeah, oh, absolutely welcome. So, Shan, um, tell me a little bit, first of all, before we delve into, hi, Carla, uh, before we delve into the nitty gritty of inventories itself, tell us a little bit about you, you know, your background, what you do, how you, how you got into your line of work. Um, not so my background is completely different to what I do now. So for 21 years up until 2011, I was working in the prison service and I worked my way up from an infant for effectively a clerk, uh, uh, you know, like a back office clerk uh, through to a governing governor. So basically I worked in prisons for 21 years and um, in about 2011, there was an opportunity to take um, some voluntary redundancy and I thought, well, I'll, you know, what else can I do? What else do I enjoy doing? And, you know, I wanted to just literally pivot my career at that point. Um, well, you and made a logical leap from working in the prison service to being an inventory clerk. Um, not logical from the point of view of the actual maybe the role but the understanding behind it because I dealt with a lot of it litigation a lot of things around about evidence evidence gathering um, protocols understanding standards I worked a lot with Her Majesty's Inspectorate and also the Crown Prosecution Service so my understanding of evidence is, is quite keen um, yeah. and when I started this particular business, because I still run my own inventory company, is because basically I fell foul of a, a poor inventory. Um, I fell foul of a not so great letting agent um, a good few years ago, and I thought well, I could do this better. Sean, this was this was your experience as a landlord. As a landlord, yes, yeah, yeah. So. Um, because of that experience, because basically I was left with a property that I really wasn't protected by the report, um, I, I was very much out of pocket and I thought, well, this can be done better. Surely there's a better way of doing this. So when I left, I effectively started my own business and started working out, well, what does a, a, an inventory look like? And one of the first things I found was it, it, it differs you know, right across the board, different regions, different people, different providers. Um, so what I wanted to do is try to help standardise the report. So I, the first thing I need to do is find out well, what is an inventory report and what, what makes a good inventory report. Yeah. Um, and from my, my personal perspective and, and how I train clerks, etc., is it's about the detail, um, the fact that you've got to have a frame, you've got to have a methodology for capturing it, making sure you're capturing everything that uh, I, as maybe a tenant, would see or the landlord would see. Um, for so those, to, just to cut in there, for those of those, I'm yeah. sure... Pretty much everyone watching has a good idea of exactly what an inventory is. But for those of those who are completely clear, so I think some people get mistaken that an inventory is literally just the contents of a property. Um, yeah. But um, a, a good inventory, I think, as we both know, is a, is a detailed record of the entire property, right? So you'll talk about everything from floor coverings and the walls and the curtains and the light fittings and the plug sockets and the fixtures and fittings all the way through to your sofas, your your table lamps, your et cetera, et cetera. And it will talk about the state of the garden, the state of the front garden, the state of the window, exactly. all this kind of stuff. So it's literally a top to bottom um, list of everything that makes up the property and its content and the condition of it, yeah? Yeah. And also like the surrounding areas and sometimes also the communal area, especially if it's in um, blocks of flats that maybe the landlord has um, you know, one or maybe two or more or more properties within that. Mm -hmm. There's still a bit of responsibility in the communal areas as well. So certainly from an inventory point of view, we're capturing everything that is basically uh, that is, the, is the, like you said, the garden, the uh, property um, 
uh, edges of the garden, the front, the side, you know, if, depending on the type of property it is, but also the communal areas as going in for um, you know flats, if it be on the communal level where you go into the property or also surrounding the property because we we're also looking for health and safety hazards and issues and things like um, uh, antisocial behaviour. So we're looking at all of that. So for us, it's about including everything that you know that we can see that the landlord effectively is responsible for. So they're responsible for the fabric of the property, for making sure it's safe, that it you know fulfills the criteria under fits of human habitation, um, and making, like you said, sure that all the contents are noted. You know, doors, windows, frames, ceilings, windows, and and everything therein, especially around the furniture and appliances, everything gets recorded, or at least it should. Cool. And then so. So we obviously, so we've covered like sort of what technically an inventory is. I mean, what what do you think are the details that makes the difference between a, a poor inventory and a, and a really good quality inventory? A lot of it is down to the description, not only describing the items, but also the condition as well. So um, if you say something's white painted, well, it doesn't really tell you very much. But if you say if it's like a door, it's like white painted wood, what accessories it's got, then if when it comes to checkout, those accessories are damaged or the, or missing, it's very So the more detail you have, the better it is, the better report it is, especially effectively, you're creating a document that, realistically should be signposted to the adjudicator and they won't go to that house they won't see it as part of that adjudication process you know during a deposit dispute they will not see that property so you effectively have got to give them all the tools to understand what that property is like what it was like at that example you gave you should also be saying things like sort of freshly painted or signs of light wear and tear or light scuffing or medium heavy scuffing etc etc yeah but also showcasing that don't just be saying it but showcasing so i teach people to sign reference um and signpost so you're saying what it is you're referencing so you're signposting where it is where it exists and what it exists on and then you're referencing it by pictures and also if depending on your kind of service um video as well so that again that that deposit adjudicator can see exactly what you're saying which is effectively subjective evidence and then that's then made into objective evidence by what you're physically showing them through the pictures or through the video so you're qualifying what it is you're saying so it's really important to have both the written record and a visual one like you said photos maybe video you know depends on the service um one thing i've seen um some inventories you know quite a lot of inventory clerks do is they'll quite often when they're taking photos of things they will have something in that photo to give scale so they might hold a ruler against it or they might just hold you know a biro pen or a coin just yeah. something so that you know you know what you're looking at you know what the size it is because i think as we both know right you could have a scuff on a wall you zoom really in it could look like the whole wall's dark you know or you take it too far out what could be quite a large scuff could on the photo look yeah, like it could, it could look completely different couldn't it yeah absolutely yeah. which is why i always say to people signpost so for me uh, i know some clerks will, will signpost like on walls like wall one two three and four yeah um, i tend to do it um, more of a if i'm walking into a room there's a scuff on the wall to the left so i'll say um scuff to the wall left or lower left as you enter because you've got to remember is that report's got to be read by everybody the tenant the landlord potentially the deposit adjudicator and potentially a judge depending on 
you know, how far that report goes. So if you aim your report to the highest possible level, then everybody else is protected. And by signposting and referencing, you're telling people exactly where to look. So they'll walk into that room, they'll look to the left at the wall, they'll look down, there's the scarf. I tend to use fingers, you know, for as, as an example of you know, signposting purely because I won't ever forget it. It's effectively consistent um, and, and most people, finger looks like so from that that much right even if you've got small hands or big hands we're not talking yeah i mean that's great like you said you've always got it with you it's very easy to do yeah i mean things like pens etc and um some people use small rules that's fine the only thing i ever say to people is just make sure you're consistently using the same or similar item all the way through because you want consistency all the way through that report because if you use a different type then you could skew the way the picture looks or the way it's interpreted so you know that consistent now look is it is it is it okay for a landlord to get or create an inventory and just have that and literally just use that at the end of a tenancy just to just to refer back to that or you know if you talk to any of the tenant uh, the deposit schemes what they say is they will accept evidence that's that, that's effectively what they say i will accept evidence that you put in front of me however um, the problem that some landlords have, and I can honestly say this because I've been a landlord, um, is the fact that we tend to look at properties a little bit differently as inventory clerks as to landlords. So certainly when I was a landlord and I had this issue when I first started out um, as, as a, a landlord owner, um, my perspective on the property was more uh, about the emotional side of it, i.e. that's my property, it's been left in a terrible condition, you know, and it's like, you know, I put heart and soul into that and I looked after it and it hasn't been looked after. Whereas as a clerk, I'm looking at, okay, there's been a change, what is it, where is it, to what extent does it exist? So my evidence is more fact-based and I'm taking the emotion out of it so I'm not missing anything. And I think for me, certainly, that's where the biggest difference is, is that landlords uh, can do their own reports absolutely fine, but you need the detail and you need to include everything, not what you think you're happy with or don't want to include. I mean, I've had that before where landlords said, don't include this. I don't want that shown. But if you're then going to rely on that at checkout, if something goes wrong, and you don't have the information at the beginning. Not in the report, you're not covered. Exactly, exactly. You can't be confused at the beginning. Yeah, what's really important, landlords understand. I think this this often gets gets lost in the conversation is that you know fundamentally we're talking about whether it's a tenant paying out of their pocket or whether this is something that's going to be deducted from their deposit. It's mm -hmm. the tenant's money until until exactly. a landlord or a managing agent can substantiate that claim. You know, gone are the days when landlords or letting agents could just go, oh, there's a cigarette burn in your carpet. We're keeping your whole deposit. Yeah. Um, thankfully, you know, those days are gone. And the onus is very much now on the landlords or the managing agents. You've got to substantiate your claim, right? I mean, yeah. you try it without evidence. You can go to a tenant and say, oh, look, this wall's really badly scuffed or this sofa has been damaged. I want 200 quid to sort it out. And of course, that tenant might just turn around and go, yeah, sure. I messed up, here's 200 quid. Um, but if the tenant doesn't readily accept that, you know, that that's really where this all comes to play, right? Because Absolutely. You know, first of all, they've got to have that conversation with the tenant about, well, no, here's the evidence to support that claim. If that doesn't reach, excuse me, <coughs> if that doesn't reach an agreeable um, solution, then the likelihood is that will result in a dispute 
with one of the tenancy deposit regulation services um, and that will get passed to an adjudicator and obviously those adjudicators will very much look at evidence right they're not just going to take an email from a landlord saying yeah. oh, this was nice it's now not and i want 200 quid um, yeah. you need to rule to give it to me right that that adjudicator is going to want to see black and white evidence that substantiates that landlord's claim exactly and evidence that that can be backed up that is substantiated by pictures by video that that date and timed um that are it's very clear that that's exactly when they were captured because you will get that argument about oh you know are you sure it was done at that time um you know it could have been done later that could have been doctored etc etc but certainly with apps at the moment at the moment certainly with inventory base app the date and time is embedded it's a point of capture that's when that metadata is taken so therefore it's very clear that that exactly on that date is when that issue was noted by the clerk. I mean, we, we used to use certainly when I started out, you know, paper, you know, showing the date and the type, sorry, the dates um, on the front of the newspaper to qualify when your report was done. But obviously, we've moved much further ahead since then with with apps and certainly with the inventory base app. But you're right. At the end of the day, the money is the tenant. It belongs to the tenant and that's it. So we, as landlords, you, you know, you've got to, like you said, um, be able to evidence the fact that you've got a legitimate claim against that deposit. And if you can't do that, then, of course, you won't win it. Now, to really make that watertight, right, Sean, it's, it's really important that landlords or their inventory clerks involve the tenant in the creation of the document, right? So whether, whether the tenant is there present and it's a digital document done there or whether tenants are provided with a copy of that document to review like for us at base i'm pretty mm -hmm. sure we give our tenants 28 days so we will provide them typically we'll get a check-in done with an inventory clerk so we'll have a very basic schedule of condition when our tenants move in which is literally just like a two-page document saying yeah it's generally clean meter readings keys handover and it will highlight anything major um before that check-in process takes place obviously our clerk's gone and they've They've taken all their notes and everything else, but our reports aren't ready at that moment. The tenant moves in; they have to be generated. So we'll usually send that report to the tenant two or three days later. Um, and we will then say to our tenants, right, you've got 28 days to review the document, notify us of any changes, notes, alterations you want to make to that. Um, and yeah, basically, you need to get those back to us within 28 days. If you don't get a, get if you don't notify us of anything within 28 days, then that is taken that you're accepting the document as accurate as received. And that is what we'll refer to at the end. So whether it's the document we provide because there's no notes, obviously if they do come back with notes, we'll save those. They might actually annotate it in the document. You know, it is really important to to involve them so that that record's validated, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and especially nowadays, again, with, with apps and inventory base, you can, um, the tenants have a field, they have their own column where they can make notes, they can upload photographs, because at the end of the day, clerks are in a property for a certain amount of time, tenants have got 7, 14, 28 days in yeah. order to look at the property, maybe, you know, much more close scrutiny. Um, and so, you know, there are things that will come up. And that's absolutely fine, because I do think tenants need to have the right to be able to comment. Sign sometimes, and nine times out of ten in my experience, and certainly from the reports I've seen, is tenants do pick up on things that have already been picked up but maybe they're just looking at it in different fields but the main thing is they've been given that opportunity because again you've got to be looking at the, the end 
part of the process. So if you do have to go to dispute, then the landlord can clearly show, I gave the tenant every opportunity to say that there was a problem or highlight the problem. And now, you know, at the end of the dispute, they're relying on something which, you know, all the way through the tenancy, they haven't actually brought up or they, you know, they were given the vehicle to do that and they haven't done that. So it helps the landlord gather that evidence automatically and give a shared history of that report um, ready for the adjudicator. So, and that's, that again, for the best prepare for the worst absolutely everything there if you don't need it fantastic but if you do need it and you don't have a big trouble and i think you know i think personally i feel the value within i think values are massive inventory is massively undervalued in the process i mean when you think about it i mean from our experience i would say the average inventory comes in probably somewhere around 150 pounds something like that um and when you actually think the level of cover you get for that, I mean, when I think, you know, our average property, we tend to deal in a sort of middle market in London, which is sort of typically the equivalent of prime market pretty much any, anywhere else in the country. Um, I think our, our average rent is somewhere around sort of £2,200. Um, you know, I mean, tenants can cause a few hundred pounds worth of damage. They can cause literally thousands of pounds worth of damage. And we're, and we're going to touch on this later. We're going to talk about some stories you and I um, that we've had um, over the days. But, yeah, I, I do think they're an insanely good value. We've got a good question from Deb here. I'm just going to bring this up. So, um, Deb, thanks for joining in. Um, do you need an inventory for an unfurnished property? Really good question. Yes, it, 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 you know, in in a short, very short way of saying it, but yes, absolutely, because it doesn't matter whether it's furnished or unfurnished, the property still can be damaged, still can be not looked after, it can still be altered. Sometimes tenants will alter a property, um, mostly painting, you know, decorating, maybe changing some tiles. I've seen, I've seen one tenant actually change a whole bathroom suite. Um, it actually wow. looked really good, but they didn't get permission. But right. if you didn't have an inventory, you know that it's changed. Because at the end of the day, you're just relying on someone's memory. Well, you can't give that memory to an adjudicator, but you can give them a report to show that things have changed. Now, they might be for the better. And we've had, and I often see um, reports where um, the property's actually been given back in better order than the, what they got got it in the first place. Cleaner, tidier, been repainted, no scuff marks, etc. But equally, um, it can go the opposite way. And I've seen properties absolutely... Uh, trashed so badly damaged one of them I came across it was so so bad I think it cost the landlord something up to about 20,000 pounds in order to rectify it, it was a big property yeah. but it was a it was a lot of damage a lot of issues but because they had that detailed inventory they, it was so evident so clear of what had had, had occurred i.e. when the, from when the tenancy started when the report was done to when the checkout was done it, it was basically there wasn't even an argument to be had because there was just no way that a tenant could actually say, well, it wasn't me. Um, yeah. It just couldn't happen. So from that point of view, you're you're taking out a lot of emotion from this particular process and also the argument, because if you've got very clear factual evidence and that's done by a third party, so I don't have a vested interest in your property. I just have an interest in the property, i.e. doing it doing it properly, providing a good report. Therefore, the adjudicator is more likely to rely on that because they're looking at balance of uh, evidence. They're looking at balance of probability. You know, was that property like that? Well, yes, because there's a report. Was it like this at the end of the tenancy? Yes, because there's a report. Yeah, so I think, that, so So Deb, just in summary to your question, yes, you do need inventory for an unfurnished property, as we touched on earlier. 
<clears throat> it's about, you know, an inventory is about protecting the fabric of the building, not just the content. Okay. So, yes, an inventory will also protect furnishings, but, you know, your floorings, your wall coverings, your fixtures and fittings, as Sean said, those could be um, could be altered for the for the worse or for the better. Um, so I mean, uh, sorry, I've seen, you know, properties where doors are missing, kitchens are missing, bathrooms are missing. I've actually saw one myself personally where the tenants has actually dug through the wall, tried to pull out the copper piping. Now, that's okay. one of the ones I've seen, but it happens. Um, and the thing is, because we had that original report and, and the reports that we do, my company does, and I also teach clerks to do, is always have an overview of the room. Uh, some people have two pictures, sometimes four. But by having that, you're giving context to the adjudicator or potentially, like I said, the judge so that they can clearly see this is the condition of the room. And then you go into the granular detail, the, you know, the fixtures, fittings, um, skirting, etc. But when it comes to checkout and you do that exact same picture again and you can really see the just differences and the changes again you can do that if you just cast it to memory i think i think an important part of it as well is i think i think what some landlords let's say managing agents i think pretty much all managing agents know they they've just got to have these in place to to do their job and deliver the service to their landlords but i think i think one of the mistakes private landlords make is is they'll look at who they're putting in the property and they'll go ah oh, they'll be fine you know, they're nice, or they're yeah, a family. My friend, my family, I know them for years. You know, they've got a really good job, or you know, whatever it is. And I think, I think the important thing to learn is, you know, from my experience, you know, I've been a letting agent now for twenty years. Um, there is no rhyme or reason. You know, I've seen students who are in their first home return a property like it was a palace, mm -hmm. and I've had people with high six-figure salaries return their place like an absolute sty and vice versa um yeah me too for me a story that that really underpins sort of uh, the value of inventories and, and we chatted about this the other day is you know we've actually are the biggest landlord we actually have who's he's been a landlord for over 30 years big portfolio landlord um really professional landlord as well though builds a lot of his own property but it is all done way above the standard spec you know he does fantastic maintenance he usually repaints his properties for every single tenancy puts in there beyond what most landlords would do now he has a house down the road from us in spicklefields that we've looked after for probably about 15 years now um and he came to us this was probably about five i'm guessing five six years ago i've not looked at the record um but basically, he has a business partner. His business partner approached him and was like, oh, look, my son is going to be going to the arts college up the road. I'd like my son to live there with three of the mates he's doing the college with, you know. Um, so he came to us and was like, look, guys, don't need you to find tenants for me this time. We're just going to pop these guys in it. And, and so I started having a chat with him. And I was like, oh, OK, that's cool. I was like, you know what are you what are you doing about a tenancy agreement? Do you want us to do a tenancy agreement? Ah, oh, no, we're not we're not going to worry about a tenancy agreement, okay, which was yeah. initially worrying. And then it was like, okay, what are you doing about a deposit? Oh, we're not we're not going to we're not going to take a deposit, you know, because it's family and friends. And then oh, what yeah. about an inventory? You know, we're not doing a tenancy agreement. We're not going to do an inventory. And you know, thank God, my conversation with the landlord then was look no money we're not going to charge you anything but please let us do a tenancy agreement for you 
free of charge. We'll we'll sort that out for you. We'll get everyone checked in on there. Please take a deposit. I mean, at the time, this is before the tenant fee ban, we were still taking six-week deposits, but we were like, look, at least take a month's rent. And it was, you know, it's a serious property. It was, I think, about four and a half grand a month in rent. So you're looking at four and a half thousand pound deposit. And in my mind, I'm thinking, that's fine. Our average deduction, I mean, if we take cleaning out of it, I think our average deduction at our agency is something like 100, 150 quid a tenancy. So it's nothing. Um, you know, we were like, look, just just safeguard yourself. Yes, it's yes, it's your partner's son, but you know, there's three other people. You don't know who they are. Yes, they're all from wealthy backgrounds, but um, experience is often. It does uh, not mean uh, anything. Really clean. <laughs> that's that's quite often actually more of a red flag than anything else. Um, and thank God we did because you know he he they all moved in there you know thank they signed and we got the inventory done and all that sort of stuff and they moved in and that landlord called me three months later and and you know this is not an emotional guy um, but he called me like audibly nearly in tears saying you know I've just been to the house and I don't know what to do yeah. um, you know and he started telling me and I said look not a problem just just leave it to me i was like this is really difficult because it's your business partner and their son and you know it's fine i'll talk to the tenants i'll go down and it was horrendous you know these guys mm -hmm. had been lying in bed i mean all of our properties are strictly no smoking these guys have been lying in bed smoking cigarettes in bed um and then when they'd finished smoking their cigarette, they leant out of bed and they were stubbing the cigarette out on the brand new carpets that were put in just wow. before they moved in. There were literally ashtrays on windowsills everywhere, just overflowing. Things spilt, just left, nothing wiped up. Um, they were all art students, so they were doing sort of art projects at home. Two of the rooms in the property had these beautiful parquet wood floors that had all been sanded and lacquered just before these guys moved in. These guys have been doing spray paint artwork on the floor. They hadn't put any paper, anything down. Um, and, you know, it turned out, you know, we, uh, sort of, I think everyone's getting the point by now. Um, but it turned out that in we, we, we got them out within another three months, got them to surrender the tenancy and go somewhere else. In that six months in the property, they'd caused £15,000 worth of damage. Um, and then the interesting thing was, we obviously then turned around to the tenants and said, look, um, here are here are the works that are having to be done to rectify. I mean, basically, the whole house was repainted before they moved in. It had to be repainted again. Half the carpets had to be replaced because they had cigarette burns in. I mean, all sorts of stuff. They literally, in the six months they were there, they never put a single bag of rubbish out on the street. They just stockpiled it on their patio. So we had an yeah. eight high stack of black rotting bin bags i mean just did that at home <laughs> talking about it now but why the documentation worked was when we first went to the tenants or, or rather their parents you know we ultimately went to the parents and copied the tenants things it was the parents paying for everything and we were like look here's the works bill here's the inventory um there's fifteen thousand pounds worth of damage so we'll take the four and a half grand deposit off that leaves you know another 11 grand or whatever it was and so you know it was like two and a half grand per person that they needed to pay and and their first response was come and get us you know one was spanish i think one was german i think one was swiss and all the parents lived abroad and their instant response was 
What can you do about it? What are you going to do about it? We're not paying. Um, and we turned around and said, well, we've got a tenancy agreement and we've got the inventory. Um, so it's very simple. Your kids have just started a three-year degree course and will be going, you know, from what I understand, all of them are looking to secure employment in the UK immediately after that. It's like, it's very simple. You don't pay. We'll raise it. We'll flag it with the TDS for dispute. Um, and then we'll go to court if we don't get the ruling we want. I mean, we were actually talking about going direct to court. Um, and all parents who are very wealthy all sort of went to their their family their family solicitors um, with the documents and evidence we'd sent them. And within 24 hours, all three parents had sent me an email saying, please give me your bank details of where we need to send the money. Um, and there you go. Yeah, that was... You know that was a that was a perfect example for us of, you know, a tenancy where the landlord really felt they didn't need any protection. They didn't even want a tenancy agreement, let alone anything else in place. I mean, could you imagine if we didn't have that? I mean, absolute disaster. They would have walked away, and the landlords would have been left with that fifteen thousand pound bill. Absolutely. Exactly. Um, so you know, it just goes to show, you know, it's not about whether you think or believe that tenant is going to do something because the bottom line is by the time it's happened right it's too late exactly and when you think about it what we're doing is we're doing risk risk mitigation we're we're evaluating the potential risks and making sure that we're minimizing any potential that we're going to get to that point uh, you know as uh, you know when it comes to the end of the tenancy i mean, I mean it might be a good uh, time to show a couple of the slides if if you yes. don't mind yeah um, that. We go to that first one. So these kind of figures of what everybody probably is already aware of, that there's 4.7 million households in the private sector. Uh, we were talking about average deposits. The average is uh, $1,299. That was um, marked out in 2019. might be slightly different now. And there's 1.9 billion estimated deposits held. And this is TDS figures from last year. So you think that's £1.9 billion worth of tenant money in these various schemes held against the property that potentially could indemnify the, the, the landlord should anything happen. Um, but without the evidence, um, they're not going to get anywhere near. And it's interesting, and I didn't realise this, that 67% that of disputes are actually raised by the tenants so again if you haven't got that inventory and the tenants basically saying i didn't cause that i didn't do that you prove it there's no way that the landlord's actually going to again get anywhere near that deposit legitimately um because they said they don't have that evidence and as you i think you pointed out earlier on the main causes seem to be around damage and redecoration and again from an inventory clerk point of view we need to showcase that property. So should that end up in dispute, that so that adjudicator can see exactly what that property looked like, what it included, what damage has been done, to what extent. I mean, one of the examples that I have is around switches and sockets, and I'm always banging on about these, but they're a really good example that if you don't capture that information, say you're a landlord, you're doing your own property, and I've seen it before, we've had a one-page report that says everything's been cleaned, everything's been newly painted, everything's been carpeted, that's it. And the property comes back and the switches and sockets have been changed. They've been changed from white plastic to chrome or vice versa. But the original report doesn't have any detail on that because the landlord didn't see that that was of use. 
that one, they can't actually showcase the fact that these have changed. They also don't know who changed it, whether there was any permission given, also whether then it's now safe. And then the cost of having to put all those back and made safe um, is quite expensive. And now you've got EICR coming in as of the 1st of July, where all fixed wiring has to be um, uh, certificated and made safe after the current, I think it's 18th edition standards. Um, again, if you haven't got reports kind of like detailing that kind of um, information within the property and you do have an issue along those lines, how are you going to prove that? Yeah. So it's very clear that reports are very much needed. And I think they do need to be compiled by independent inventory clerks. Um, because um, as I've shown, I think if you show have a slide for that I've got there, um, Christian. Yeah. Hop across back over to that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, obviously it's about the evidence um, and with the evidence, with the report, then it's a balanced judgment. The, the adjudicator or the judge can make a balanced judgment based on what you are putting in front of them. And by showing and evidencing the change from tenant, from inventory to checkout, the, the adjudicator has then got the ability to make a balanced judgment, a fair judgment on both sides, not just for the tenant and for the landlord, but for equally both of those people. So that, you know, if monies need to be deducted, they can be. But equally, if, um, you know, the tenant's given the property back in, you know, in a much better order, we can showcase that. And a good inventory report will say that if a property has been given back in better order, it will say that. It won't just gloss over it. The report yeah. will say in cleaner condition or repainted to a high standard or you know um, an item maybe that was damaged initially when they took over tenancy is now fixed or replaced um, and certainly if a tenant replaces i don't know uh, a carpet or flooring or a bit of furniture first thing we ask them is did you have permission yes i did okay have you got um, anything to back that up yeah i've got emails great lovely all part and parcel of the evidence and if you look go to the next slide yeah, let's hop across. There we go. Right. Yeah. Uh, one of the things about inventory clerks is is that we can take out the emotion side, so that we look at the properties very objectively. We are impartial because we've got no vested interest in that property. Um, yeah. For us, it's just you know something uh, a, a a property a flat an area that we've got to record accurately into our best of our ability. Um, clerks are professional. That doing quite a hard job. It's not an easy job. And, and I would argue anybody to say that it is because there are days when you are literally wiping your feet on the way out as opposed to on the way in. Um, I've personally caught fleas from a job um, and I was not happy about it. And I think it was the first time one of my estate agents that ever even heard me swear. Um, I was not happy because it, it affected my car as well. Um, oh. We were professional. We got the job done. We sorted it out. We made sure the agent was aware so they could sort it out so no one else walked into what we just walked out. But right. equally diligent. And this is not just about recording the fabric of the property in the, in the conditions, but we're also looking at smoke and carbon monoxide alarms, making sure that the right alarms are in the right place. Often we're finding um, heat sensors use the smoke alarms and that's not what they're for. The fact that we record certificates, um, Legionella risk assessments, um, as of the 1st July, the EICR, uh, EPCs, the keys, uh, whether there's keys in the windows or not. So we're very diligent about that. And I would argue that certainly, and, and I can say this as a landlord, when I first started out, I wouldn't have gone to that kind of detail because I would not have thought about it. Whereas infantry clerks think about it. And the other thing, um, if we go to the next slide, 
is the fact that because we are impartial, we often get involved in a lot of conversations, certainly at checkout between the agent and the landlord, especially things aren't going quite right. And I've had a few of those myself where, you know, tempers get a bit heated, etc. And the amount of times clerks step in, calm the situation down, effectively provide a, 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 a more professional kind of like balance to the conversation you know so that people are thinking more clearly because we're there we can help we understand the industry and we can offer advice and a lot of agents don't realize how much information clerks actually have um you know the, the fact that you know we really do pay attention to the industry we understand what's going on we know that we've got urpns coming in on the first of july that we've got iocr coming in uh, you know from the 30th of June at midnight coming in you know and we um, today this morning I'd um, attended the ARLA webinar about EICRs so there's a wealth of knowledge that inventory clerks can bring and I know and from personal experience um, that we uh, often are relied on by agents for that understanding experience and I certainly got that during the tenant feedback where I was advising clients on what was included what was not what they could what they couldn't do etc so they're an invaluable resource and it's their resource you can bring in and use when you need them um, you know have them ready for you for when the reports are needed to be done at inventory and checkout so um, for they're a vital service and, and I think you said quite well earlier on they're not really um, well known or kind of like um, um, revered for the kind of service and the professionalism they actually bring that they're just not really thought about in that kind of uh, context and yet they do bring so I think, much I think that's the of lettings though I think isn't it I think it's, it's the same with gas engineers it's the same with letting agents and property managers yeah. I think until a landlord has something go wrong, yeah, uh, it's very easy to be like, ah, you know, I, I, I can do this. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And it's it's when something goes really wrong, yeah. um, that's when landlords suddenly go, oh, actually, I should have paid for a letting agent because they would have advised me to do this, or they would have had, they would have been liable. For the fact this wasn't in place for when the tenant moved in or you know like you say you don't have a professional inventory you know i remember we we had a handful of landlords when we started who would sort of do their own inventories and you know they were on average i would say probably five six seven pages long i mean i think our average inventory at the moment is probably more like 40 pages well um, yeah exactly and um, it's not necessarily how many pages it is what it includes but i mean definitely on that, yeah. I get your point totally. Um, um, but it, it is about that detail. I mean, um, I, I've I recently did a report on a property, and the landlord gave me their version, which was about I think it was about 20 pages and about 36 photographs. Yeah, I gave them back a report 241 pages and a thousand photographs. Whoa. Because that's what I found, not because I wanted to be particularly picky or make a point. That's what I could see. And if I can see it, the tenant can see it. And the adjudicator needs to see it if yeah. we get to that point. And that's it's a If it's not in the report, you're not covered. That's the bottom line. Exactly. Exactly. And thing, you know, if it's not in there, you've got no proof of record. I mean, there are there are sometimes workarounds. Like if you've had a brand new kitchen put in, you can obviously provide evidence that yeah. that yeah. has been put in. Uh, that that has been put in and uh yeah you can say look here's here's the invoice literally 
a week before the tenants moved in for a brand new 20 quid. There are workarounds, but it's not common. Um, it's not common that you're going to have um, that. You, you, it's it's not common that everything in your property is going to be brand new and that you're going to yeah. have sort of substantiated evidence. Which is why I always say to agents, you know, certainly um, make sure that you've got the manual folders in the in the property, so it shows you, you know, what how how tenants can actually use the appliances because if they don't use them properly and you didn't give them a manual, that's an argument. That's that's a potential loophole um certificates again same thing if you haven't given to them then they could be used and so you might not get your section 21 not be able to start that process yeah um certainly from a point of view touched on it was really important you know legally you have to have that tested on the day they move in right um yeah. so i know our inventory clerks that that's a very key function they do for us they they yeah. do that so that a we know our tenants are safe but obviously also b so our landlords are compliant and we've yeah. got a record of it. It's not just a landlord saying, yeah, I tested it. Yeah, it is absolutely fine. And the thing is that those should be tested at checkout as well. So that then, as, as, as the managing agent or the landlord, have got ample time to rectify any issues and make sure that everything is up to standard. Um, so, so they should be checked at inventory and checkout. Great. All right, Sean, I think, I, think we've, uh, I think we've done a pretty detailed top to tail there. So... Um, Sean, just quickly, just to round things up, can you just tell us a little bit about inventory base? Because obviously inventory base isn't per se an individual inventory provider, is it? It's a sort of platform for inventory clerks. So That's right. a little bit about why would a landlord want to go to inventory base or why would another inventory company want to join inventory base? Um, right. So inventory basically is like you said, is the software provider, they provide the platform, the app in order to be able to capture the information at the property. Um, one of the really good key benefits and one of the reasons I joined inventory base because I actually I still run my own company. I work with inventory base on the academy side of things, but I actually also am out there doing reports. So I was out yesterday and I'm going to be out tomorrow doing them. So I'm hands on. So I know the industry. Um, and one of the reasons I went to inventory base, I needed an app that was scalable, that did what I needed to do in the field, in real time, efficiently, quickly. So I'm in and out of the property as quickly as I can, but we're capturing all the detail that I need. So they provide with the software, with the app. It's easy to right. use. It's easy so to manage. That wants a good bit of kit that's built by people who really get the inventory process that's going to make your, your life easier. If you're not already on them, go and check them out. Um, is inventory based something landlords can use, Sean, as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, anybody can have an account. It's entirely up to them. You know, we have landlords, um, agents, letting agents um, across the uh, board, you know, from corporate down to small to online as well. So it can be right across the board, really. If, you know, if you need an inventory done, if you're doing in house, doing it yourself, outsourcing, um, you parks through inventory base. I'm um, sorry, say that again. Can landlords find inventory clerks through inventory base as well? Indeed, yeah, I was literally about to touch on that. So we've got a new initiative called Workstreams, and part of Workstreams means that it's bringing both the the buyer, so that would be the landlord, could be the agent, online agent, and the supplier together online on the platform within work, uh, IB inventory base, so that it gives a, a really good platform for be able to talk to each other, to be able to um, put work on and offer work out and bid for that work in a very safe, secure way. And we've got um, protocols in place, we've got guidance. And one of the things I do from an infantry based academy point of view is we're offering support constantly right the way through the process. Because one of the things that 
you know, some apps don't tend to do is they give you the app but then and do it help you with the technical, but it's the actual job itself that a lot of people need help with. So yeah. that's why we have Academy. So we've trained over 500 clerks in the last year or so, and we, we do that by supporting them right the way through that, you know, the, the reporting process, understanding the industry, understanding legislation, and basically helping clerks you know, up their standard, get to the quality and level that everybody, you know, certainly from a landlord, from an agent point of view, want to get. So um, Infantry Base provides not just that, you know, the app. Yeah, they're all in one inventory service. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's constantly evolving as well. You know, we're, we're constantly looking at what can be done better because you as an agent want certain things from the, the platform. Clerks want something else, landlords, tenants as well from functionality point of view. And clerks yeah. want something they can use, rely on, and obviously get support with. Cool. So there we go. If you're an inventory clerk, if you're needing to sort of slightly reinvent your business, or maybe you already use the reporting software and you're not 100% blown away with it. I know Sean used the reporting thing before coming to inventory base and got very frustrated with a few because they just weren't right, didn't work the way inventory clerks need them to work. So yeah, if you're an inventory clerk, if you're a landlord looking for an inventory, either to do an inventory yourself, you can get it, or you know, using the workflows thing, you can find yourself a clerk to do some jet work for you. Hopefully we've imparted some really helpful advice to you guys today. Um, only had a handful of questions today, but um, this video will obviously is gonna be shared. Most people probably watch this um, as a playback do please still engage with the post do please comment um email us questions if there are things we haven't covered um if we get enough questions we might do a second round but otherwise sean and i will keep an eye on these posts um and we'll try and respond as quickly as we can to any questions we have but that's it for today guys that is our latest agents here to help all about why inventories are an essential part of letting out a property sean thank you so much for your time today and for your knowledge well, all right, you have a good rest of your week. And thanks, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a good one. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Inventory Professional Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, subscribe to our podcast now and share the love. This podcast was brought to you by Inventory Base, providers of industry-leading property inspection software, accredited training, and on-demand property reports.